In the name of one God who creates, redeems, and sustains us. Amen. Amen. So it's been one of those mornings, not quite fully on my game. You'll hear why in a second. But we are going to get the candles lit so church can begin. <laughs> what we've done up to this point, you decide what it is. So all week, I'm a Paul Simon fan, by the way. The story in my family is that mom and dad listened to Bridge Over Troubled Water in the one month that I was late being born. So I just assume it is in my blood. So I've always been a fan of, of Simon and Garfunkel and Paul Simon. And so all week long, I have had I know what I know in my head, which the refrain is, I know what I know. I'll sing what I've said. We come and we go. That's a thing that I keep in the back of my head. And they've been circling in my head this week, not only because the passage that we heard today, everybody's stating what they know as the synagogue leaders call out Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. And everyone is trying to say, not sing, what they know so that others will pay attention to them. I know what I know. But it's also been in my head because I've spent the last week in Kuwait. Now, I know that's not where everybody goes for their one week of summer vacation. Temperatures at 114, never dropping below 100 at night. Anyway, now we got down to 90. But I had a, a new Kuwaiti granddaughter born. The three-year-old got me to do tattoos, so if you're wondering, it's not permanent. But I do have my grandma badge. And I decided that with her birth, I wanted to be there to hold her and to support her mom and family. So off I went to Kuwait for four days on the ground. But while I was there, every time I go, I know, or I see them, I know that there will be those conversations. They're the discussions that always call me to account for why I believe what I believe. And my Kuwaiti family and I, we've been known to discuss global politics, or we often might discuss foreign policy or oil or family dynamics, even race. We often discuss religion, them being Muslim and my clearly being Christian. And we enjoy the kind of familial relationship where we can ask one another hard questions and we know that we may not agree with the answer that the other person gives, but that's okay because we're trying to be open with one another and curious with one another and to learn with one another and to listen to one another. We try to hear how the other person just doesn't understand his or her faith, but how we integrate that faith into our lives. This visit, towards the end of a, you know, the family dinner, the dad turns to me and we got into a discussion of why Christianity has become so political in the United States. He actually asked me a question that opened this up. And it was in that moment where I know what I know and I'll sing what I've said popped back into my head. I tried to answer the question that 
was asked of why do Christians believe this or that, which half the time I don't agree with what Christians are supposed to believe, if that makes sense, or understood to believe by others. And I had to figure out what is it I know and I believe and why. And so I explained, because you know you can only get so deep in a dinner conversation, right? So I tried to explain that one view is that there are those who understand Jesus through the two great commandments, right? There are two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your might. And second to it is love your neighbor as yourself. And I said there are others who agree with that but are more concerned about the rules of Christianity and how they're being interpreted and in my view are sometimes far more narrow than I understand God's breadth and depth to be in our creation. I mean, how could I say otherwise sitting at a table of faithful Muslims whose faith is as important to them as mine is to me? I allowed that there were plenty of Christians who didn't think that women should be clergy, who think that everybody should only be Christian, who define what it means to be Christian and that anything outside their definition is apostate. And then I said, I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for an entire religion. But for me, in following my faith, in observing my faith, I try to follow the love. Love is foundational to how I understand and live out my faith. Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. And right after this discussion on Christianity, scrolling through our phone as we all do while we're sitting around burping babies and, you know, watching TV or whatever we're doing, I ran across a cartoon from one of my favorite artists at the moment called The Naked Pastor. And for those of you who are on Instagram, I encourage you to follow him. Shane is already looking him up on the phone right now. Thanks, Shane. Um, but in, and you can also find him in, on Facebook for those of you who are old school like I am. But this cartoon, he does generally does one cell, and it shows Jesus in front of a crowd of modern-day people all holding their Bibles. And Jesus says to them, the difference between you and me is you use scripture to interpret love, and I use love to determine what scripture means. I immediately sent that to the dad of the family who I had been having this discussion with, and I said this. I think putting love above all the rules and all the litmus tests Using love to determine how we should act. Having love define what we are called to do as Christians in this moment. That is the essence of what Jesus is saying to the leaders in the synagogue in our gospel this morning. 
Jesus rightly alludes when he is called out, why could you heal on the Sabbath? There are six other days to heal. Jesus alludes to the fact that actually there is not definitive clarity on healing on the Sabbath. In Judaism, you are allowed to heal if it is life-saving, but for crippled, I can't say it, something, something spondylitis, which this woman had. I can't, I've tried. But, but with her, it wasn't life-threatening. And so was Jesus allowed to do this or not? It's being brought into question. Jesus says, you're okay, right? All right, maybe. But don't all of you take your livestock to get watered on the Sabbath? And as he says that, they all know that the Torah is pretty clear. You aren't supposed to be doing that. And Jesus in healing a woman calls us, calls those present then and calls us present today to question how do we interpret scripture? How do we define what we know to be the fundamental truths of our faith? And as we saw Jesus do today, how do we put our faith before mercy? Or I should say, how do we put mercy before our faith? Or love before our faith? Or as Jesus says, I have set you free. How do we give others freedom before our faith? How do we use God's love to free others? And I can say right now with those of us gathered here, the faithful who don't want to be at the beach at 10 o'clock, I hear you. I'm at that age too right now. But how is it that all of us who are gathered here, I can guarantee you we all have a different understanding at our faith of our faith today, and it is probably different than it was 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. Some threads have remained the same and others have been woven in and out over time. But for me, the one thread that is steady through it all is love. God's unshakable, unbreakable love. It is what I know. So how does Jesus demonstrate that we are to show love again and again? Jesus, as every person comes forward to be healed, every single one, Jesus hears them for what they have to say. He doesn't argue with them over diagnosis. He doesn't tell them that if she just did these 10 exercises, if you just did Pilates, you'll be healed from your crippledness. He doesn't tell others that if they had just eaten more carrots as a child, they wouldn't be blind. Carrot soup, I hear it's coming soon. Or if they hadn't listened to all that loud harp and lyre music as a child, they wouldn't be deaf. Really, I have no idea about music and, you know, on a plane, you can't really go researching the music of the day. 
But the truth is, is that Jesus doesn't do any of that. Jesus listens. And then lovingly offers mercy in the form of healing. Every time Jesus heals, even when it's from someone touching the hem of his robe, even when we might say they don't deserve it, even if we believe that they were born that way and that that is part of God's creation, Jesus says no. Love dominates. When he heals, it is in love. When he listens to people, it is through love. And when he asks them what is their ailment, he hears that and heals them and sets them free. It's these acts that define my faith. What I know is that Jesus asks that we ask, that we act in mercy and love towards one another first and always. I know what I know and I will sing what I have said. And yet I do have to wonder in all of my knowing of my sitting at a table speaking on behalf of all of Christianity, which I have to say is a bit daunting, right? Okay. But I also had to wonder how am I even in my definition like those leaders in the synagogues? How am I or we as Christians so sure of our position over another person? Who is it who gets to speak for Christianity as a whole? And my answer comes back again and again to Jesus. Jesus's action of love, tough love, tender love, merciful love, self-giving love. Love is the litmus test above all others as I understand Jesus. And if it isn't love, it isn't of God. So as Christians here in California, in the South Bay, as representative members of St. Cross in the Jesus movement, how do we know what we know? How do we sing? How do we live? How do we speak our faith and words and actions and even song? Hopefully, we do it all with God's love. Amen. <laughs>